Yeah, we're in our final week from this short uh, series in January called Words Build Words, which was inspired by this quote by Abraham Joshua Heschel, which was Words Create Worlds. And um, if you've been here for the past three weeks, Dave Armstrong's kind of taken us through from the beginning of the series where he introed the series week one, then he looked at encouraging words and then healing words last week, and he's done a really good job. So if I don't butcher it all today, I'll be doing well. Um, so... This morning, as I say, we're going to be looking at creative words, or if it's an easier handle for you this morning, let's call them prophetic words. So we're talking about, we're looking at creative words or prophetic words this morning. So I wonder maybe what you think about this morning whenever I say that we're going to be looking at creative words or prophetic words. Um, And what might it mean for us as to be a prophetic community, to be a community that that has a prophetic imagination and creativity uh, at its very heart. Um, Maybe you come from a church tradition uh, like I did growing up where prophetic words, the prophetic word was thought to be only those kind of carefully prepared and delivered sermons, a little bit like this one hopefully, from God's word. And those words that were considered prophetic words were the words that were spoken that tell of God's own breathed out words in scripture. Maybe, maybe that's your background, um, as it was mine. Or maybe you've been around kind of Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled churches, and you've come to believe and you've had experience, experiences that give you the realization that all can indeed prophesy and that we live in the days of an Old Testament promise being fulfilled that Peter spoke about in Acts 2, when God's spirit was poured out on all flesh, and now all can prophesy. Or maybe you think about men and women who appear to be moving in an unusual level of gifting, whereby they appear to be able to tune in to what God may be saying to a particular church or a particular person or a particular circumstance at a particular moment. And, uh, or maybe that makes you a little bit uncomfortable and you feel like it's a little bit like fortune telling and you'd rather leave all that kind of stuff well alone. Or maybe, like me, you're living with some words that you've received in the past from people uh, and you really felt convinced that God was really in these words that you received and when you get tired, when you feel like giving up or when you, hit, you feel like you're hitting dead ends at every turn, these are the words that kind of keep you on the straight and narrow. They keep you with your face set in a certain direction. You feel like you've discerned the way in which you should go and you, you go for it. Or maybe when you think about prophetic words or prophets, you think about great figures of recent history perhaps, like those involved in the great cultural shifts of the 20th century. Um, I don't know if you saw on Monday night on BBC, um, there, was a, there was a series looking at 20th century cultural icons and uh, on Monday night they looked at the great social reformers of the 20th century and I found it really interesting that three of those people who were mentioned or who were looked at um, were Christians actually. Uh, The fourth one was Gandhi who may as well be a Christian in some eyes (laughs) but uh, yeah but the one that caught my imagination on Monday and it's because it was actually it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day in, in America where they, they celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Um, as a kind of federal holiday. It's a national holiday and it's the third Monday of January in every year. 
And so Martin Luther King Jr. was celebrated in this program as one of the great prophetic voices of the 20th century. You know, this is a voice that we all probably recognize in many ways, a voice that spoke truth to power during the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s in the United States, demanding racial equality and justice for the poor. Then again, maybe when I talk about prophets or prophetic words, it might conjure up in your mind some names and some pretty strange stories, if we're honest, of some fairly obscure biblical characters, like Isaiah, who as part of his prophetic ministry, he stripped off all his clothes and wandered around naked. Bizarre. Or what about this other eyebrow raiser, Hosea? Hosea, who was instructed to marry a prostitute, and then they were to call their daughter Lo Ruhama, which means unloved. You know, you expecting parents in the room, don't be chalking that one down in the potential name book for your new baby. Or what about Ezekiel, the crazy Ezekiel, who got this health plan straight from the mouth of God, that he was to cook barley cakes over cow manure, and also Ezekiel, who shaved off his own beard with a sword, divided it into thirds, one third that he scattered around the city and poked it with a sword, the other third he set fire to, the other third he threw up into the wind. What is going on with this crazy character, Ezekiel? Then there was poor old Jonah, that you probably all know, the runaway prophet who spent three days in the belly of a whale before answering God's call. When he eventually got around to preaching, at Nineveh, the entire city repented. For any other preacher, this would have been quite the result, wouldn't it? But Jonah was so upset that his doomsday prophecy to Nineveh wasn't fulfilled that he begged God to kill him, a request that mercifully went unanswered. So the prophets were a pretty odd bunch in the Bible, for sure. But one detail about them has been omitted in these accounts, perhaps, that the actions of Ezekiel, Hosea, and Isaiah were actually commanded by God, which means that we can't really just dismiss their crazy actions, their crazy behavior. These men were not prophets in spite of their kind of eccentric behavior. Rather, their actions were at the center of their ministry. In the scriptures, they are explained as symbolic acts that convey divine messages along with the words that they spoke. So there's this kind of incarnational, this embodied element to the bizarre actions of these prophets. These prophets were not just speakers of the word. They lived it out in their lives. They embodied it through their actions, their choice of clothing, and even in their very bodies. They were witnesses to how totally transforming and disruptive the word of God can be when we let it consume our entire lives. But whatever else you might be thinking about this morning, about prophets and the prophetic, at its most basic, the word prophet just means spokesperson. So the shocking thing about the prophets is that they just happen to claim to speak on behalf of God himself. I want to say to us this morning that all these modes of prophetic speech and witness are useful for us to consider as a church today. I contend that Redeemer Central should be a church where all of us are released, are, are encouraged to hear from God ourselves and for each other, actually, and to create the type of environments 
where it's safe for us to make mistakes, where mistakes can be made and we can all learn to hear God together and for ourselves. Redeemer can also be the kind of church where we learn from these great prophetic voices of history who brought their voices to bear on evils and injustices in the world and calling a better world into existence. And I think we can also be the kind of church that learns from the rich history of our faith tradition, stretching back as it does all the way to Moses, perhaps, when he said that, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. And post-Pentecost, we really do live in the era of the fulfillment of that. But this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at one of these strange Old Testament prophets. We're going to take a little snapshot at the life of one of these prophets. And it's the hymn I want to draw our attention to for the next kind of 10 minutes or so. This is the call of Jeremiah. I'm sure you've heard of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to plant and to build. And this is how we are introduced to the prophet Jeremiah, a prophet who's been called by Walter Brueggemann the most relevant of the prophetic books and the prophetic voices for today's world and therefore for the church today. Here's a brief CV of Jeremiah by way of introduction just to get us going. Jeremiah was a priest and the son of a priest. His public ministry came during the end of 500 years of the reign of kings in Israel. Uh, And his uh, ministry lasted for about 40 years between 626 BC and 587 BC. Remember, Israel wasn't content to have God as their king. They desired a king over them, just like all the other nations around them. They wanted an actual throne in Jerusalem, just like the nations around them had thrones at their midst. Israel was supposed to be a nation that displayed the faithfulness of God and embodied justice. They were supposed to be a prophetic community representing the Lord and the earth and to be a light to the nations around them. But as we know, they wound up being much more concerned with their own greatness. They wanted to be just like the nations around them. And in doing so, they were unfaithful to the God they served, the God who took them out of Egypt and they ran after foreign gods of the nations around them. They wound up being unfair and unjust to the foreigners, to the strangers, to the poor that were in their very midst. And so as a nation, they lost their prophetic witness. It was largely the job of the Hebrew prophets 
to call the nation of Israel and the kings to task. They were to call out the unfaithfulness and the injustice that the nation of Israel had fallen into. This was Jeremiah's calling as well. Jeremiah was a poet. He wasn't a social activist. He wasn't a revolutionary. He wasn't a leader of religious or social, or he wasn't a politician. He wrote poems of doom, and he wrote poems of hope. Jeremiah was called as a young man to give voice to the fact that God was about to shatter the old world of kings that Israel had known. And he was going to form a new world with new possibilities. Jeremiah speaks warning about what is about to happen to Israel if they don't change their ways. And then shockingly, he actually lives through it. Judah and Jerusalem were full of idolatrous Israelites who neglected the poor and the vulnerable and they engaged in treacherous kind of politics. But for Jeremiah, the game is up. He lived through the horror of seeing what he prophesied come to pass in the judgment that came through the empire of Babylon against the nation of Israel. Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and Israel was taken into exile for 70 years in Babylon. You see, the word that was in Jeremiah had to be spoken. He couldn't keep it in. You see, Jeremiah, first of all, wrote all of these prophetic poems down and he delivered them to the king at the time. But the king destroyed it. He threw it in the fire the first time. So Jeremiah had to write it all again, this word that dwelt in him. He wrote it all down again. And it was collected up and taken to the king again. And so this is how we have the book of Jeremiah today. Jeremiah's message was not a popular message in his day. He was beaten. He was put in stocks at the gate of Benjamin outside the temple by the religious and political leaders of the time. All could see Jeremiah and mock him. We read in Jeremiah 20 of his complaint against Yahweh, who he held responsible for his misfortune at the hands of the Jews who rejected his message. Jeremiah's honesty, like much of the prophetic literature in the Psalms, is startling in its accusation against God. This is what Jeremiah said. He said, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. Wherever I speak, I cry out. I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak in his name anymore, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. I love this about Jeremiah, this prophetic humiliation that Jeremiah bore. And I think this is the mark of all truly prophetic voices. There is a certain kind of humiliation, a prophetic humiliation that is all part of the deal. But more than that, there is a deep burning in the heart and bones of a prophet of a word that must be spoken, whatever the cost. This was true of Jeremiah and to revisit our example of earlier, this is true of prophets like Martin Luther King Jr. This idea of racial equality 
for his black brothers and sisters became a fire in his bones to see justice brought where injustice reigned. For Martin Luther King, the idea of economic equality where everyone had a right enough to live became a fire in his bones. In his other famous last speech, his famous speech, which was the one that he gave the day just before he was shot, Martin Luther King said this, and there'll be a short video. Listen to this. gives me chills listening to that. It's unbelievable. I should sit down right now. I don't know what I'm doing, playing one of the greatest preachers who's ever lived as a clip. But anyway, Martin Luther King Jr. had seen a better future for the black and the poor and the oppressed of America. He was willing to face the repercussions and the persecutions that would come his way because of the fire that was in his bones. He was willing to face prophetic humiliation Indeed, he faced the ultimate price with his martyrdom. And a question I think I'd love to leave us with today, one of the questions is, are we willing as a community to face prophetic humiliation as we speak out and live out the message of a new world that is being birthed right in the midst of this one? All truly creative endeavors attract and open us to criticism, to certain humiliation, as anybody who is involved in writing or poetry or art or architecture will tell you, none less so than the task of speaking a new world into existence. Didn't Jesus say himself that truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown? You see, Redeemer, we are the carriers of a message of hope to the world, a message that brings life, but also brings hostility from those who are opposed to it. It is a message that says there is indeed a new world that is being birthed in the midst of this one, and it's called the kingdom of God. It's been taking root in the world for 2,000 years, and we as the people of Jesus carry its message of hope and a better and more just future one that will see no more pain and no more suffering and will be found in the presence of Jesus. But I want to return to our prophet Jeremiah again this morning. I want to talk about prophetic hope 
as well. Jeremiah was also a poet and a prophet of hope. The very nation that was used to bring judgment against Israel, Babylon, would be judged themselves for their own wickedness. And then right bang in the middle of the poems of doom and warning in Jeremiah, there is this collection of poems and speeches that show the exact opposite mood of doom and gloom. Jeremiah looks to the other side of the exile in Babylon and he's convinced that God's covenant love and his commitment to Israel will not run out. He knew that if Israel was ever going to truly love and obey God, it was going to require something drastic, a a radical, fundamental transformation of the human heart. And so in Jeremiah 31, we read this. It says, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord for they will all know me. For the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, I will, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. You see, all great prophets are able to stand in the midst of darkness and they're able to see a light through the gloom. Redeemer, this morning as a community, I want to say that we have a voice. We have a voice that can speak this new world into being around us. I love how Walter Brueggemann says it. He says, newness happens in the world when long silenced people get their voice enough to sing dangerous alternatives. Think about Martin Luther King. Think about the spaces and places that you reside and work and live and play. When we gather to sing like we are this morning, about the new world that God is creating, when we gather together like we are today to tell the story of God, when we share what God is doing amongst us and in the world in a thousand little different ways, we are actually speaking and singing a new world in the reality. Like Jeremiah, our words have the power to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow. We can use our words and our speeches, our speech to undo patterns of injustice in the world, to pluck up and to break down systemic evils in the world. We can, through our words and our actions, begin to tear down dividing walls of hostility that can so easily remain in a city like Belfast that is dealing with its post-conflict history. There are structures of evil and injustice in the world that are just plain demonic. And we have the power to give voice to their exposure and their destruction. Like Jeremiah, our words also have the power to build and to plant. We can add our voices to the new world that God is already speaking into existence. We can give voice to it. If we are the body of Christ in the world, it follows that his, as his ambassadors, as his image bearers in the world, we also car, carry the power of his voice through the authority that is ours in Christ. Our words can carry power. Scripture tells us that God spoke creation into being, right? God said, let there be light. And so it is with the new creation that God is bringing in the reality by his spirit through Jesus and us as his people. We can add our voices 
to the birthing of this new creation right in the midst of this one. And as the people of Jesus, we must remember that God has indeed spoken to us in a very particular way. Let's let the author of Hebrews remind us as we finish up here. He said that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has spoken to us by his son. I love how pastor in America, Brian Zand, puts it. He grabs hold of a Bible and he holds it up and he says, I believe in the word of God and his name is Jesus. I don't think we can overestimate this, that God has spoken to us by his son. Whatever the word is that we have to speak, whether by ourselves or as a community, as individuals or two communities, it should transmit, it should reflect, it should be shaped by this truth that there is great power in the word of God and his name is Jesus. Ultimately, he is the creative prophetic word that we are called to speak as a community. We are to be the heralds of this new creation that is to be found in Christ. We are to be those who are able to say, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord as we peer into the future from this mountaintop and we see better days that are coming in and through Christ. As we trust in the good and perfect character of God, we can exercise our faith and we can speak and sing and write and paint this new world, the kingdom of God, into existence. Permission to go be creative and prophesy, Redeemer Central. Just go for it. We live in the days when all can prophesy. The day that Moses and Joel longed for long ago, speak words of life and affirmation and healing and hope over one another and into the spaces and places that you work, live, and play. Speak the new world that is coming into existence right in the midst of this one through the word of God, who is Jesus, who has already been spoken to us.